Welcome to It's Who I Am, the podcast, where we celebrate the unique life experiences that make us who we are. We're your hosts, Hannah and Rachel Vasicek, and every fortnight we'll be bringing to you a dose of inspiration and storytelling. Interviewing women across Australia and abroad who vulnerably and candidly share the depths of who they are. This podcast is brought to you by Francesca Jewellery. In today's episode of She Did It Too, we hear from beauty guru Iris Smith. Iris is the CEO and founder of the Quick Flick and Beauty Fridge, two incredibly successful, innovative products in the beauty industry. Starting her business at the young age of 21, in the last four years, Iris has hit some huge milestones, from showcasing her innovation on Shark Tank to winning global awards in Abu Dhabi. However, one commonality that we've found when talking to female entrepreneurs is that no road to success comes without its ups and downs. This truly vulnerable episode left both Hannah and I speechless. The story shared by Iris quite literally floored us both. We often look into the life of our inspirations and public success stories and think it was a hurdle-free road to success. Iris shares a story of resilience, strength and mental health and how some really tough times growing up catapulted her into a new way of being. Iris is a force to be reckoned with and a genuine go-getter. We are so fortunate to be able to chat with her today. Some of the content shared in this episode may be confronting to hear. If this affects you in any way, please reach out to resources such as Lifeline on 13 11 14. Iris, welcome to It's Who I Am, the podcast. We're so excited to have you on and hear all things Quick Flick and your journey in entrepreneurship. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So I guess uh, we wanted to check in with how you're going right now, how's things during COVID and what's happening for you at the moment. You're in Perth, aren't you? Yes. It it almost feels like COVID never really happened in Perth. Life is back to normal. (laughs) Same with us in Tassie, actually. So we're in Hobart and yeah, I think it's been like 80 something days since we've had a a case here. It's so relaxed Mm. here. I'm usually based in Melbourne and I'm so glad that I've been here for this time because going out Mm. for restaurants and drinks and then all of my girlfriends in Melbourne like, oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. No, it's the same for us. I mean, you can go out for breakfast and yeah, it's like it just didn't really happen, to be honest, um, which, yeah, we're very fortunate. It's almost, it's played in our advantage for once being so isolated in Perth. <laughs> so true. So, no, lucky to be here, to be completely honest, yeah. That's so good. Well, to get started, we obviously want to hear a little bit about you and how you got into Quick Flick and how that all came about at such a young age. So can you tell us a little bit about mm. growing up and was entrepreneurship, you know, ingrained from a young age with you? Oh, which one do you want to know? There's like three questions in there. (laughs) (laughs) You can start with just growing up and, you know, a little bit about yourself and how you got into Quick Flick, I guess. Okay, well, growing up, in all honesty, I didn't have the greatest childhood. I had um, quite an abusive stepfather. So I had like, I pretty much experienced physical and emotional abuse until I was like 17 and left home. Whoa. Yeah. So my whole childhood is like a whole nother story. That's why I was like, which question do you want me to ask? Yeah, absolutely. I love your honesty. Um, Oh yeah. And I speak very openly about it um, now. And I speak very openly about like my struggles with mental health and like um, a lot of the therapy that I did and suffering like post-traumatic stress, 
all that jazz. Like I'm really super open about it and I'm quite comfortable to speak about it. Um, That's so incredible. Yeah, so I think a lot of people can, you know, look from the outset in and think, you know, you must have had such a privileged upbringing mm. to create an incredible company that you've formed. So that's so mm. nice to hear that, you know, there is this, well, obviously not nice to hear, but that you've come out of it with flying yeah. colours. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it hasn't been a, um, it hasn't been a, a um, smooth journey, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, yeah, so growing up for me, I, I didn't, I only met my dad my biological dad when I was 20. So I kind of grew up um, struggling a little bit with like the whole abandonment sort of issue and feeling like I wasn't good enough and like, why did my dad want to leave? Why didn't he want anything to do with me? And then on the other, the other hand, I had all of this abuse growing up um, from my stepfather and then I was also dealing with, you know, why, why isn't my mum protecting me? So there was a whole barrage of issues in there, um, which was, yeah, it was really difficult. And I, I pretty much was forced to leave home when I was 17. I was told, like, the day that I turned 18, like, if I ever stepped foot on the property, like, the police would be called. So the day before my 18th birthday, I was literally, like, packing my belongings and moving in with a friend. So I was very fortunate that I, I had a place to go. Mm. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't the, the brightest childhood, you know, most people the day before that are celebrating, you know, what's my 18th birthday look like. And I was like, well, where do I live? What does that look like? You know? Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was tough. But I mean, in hindsight, it's, it's given me like these incredible, tools of strength in my business where it's like if an issue pops up I'm like well this is nothing in comparison to like the shit that I've been through so I I can now actually view it from that lens of I almost believe that I chose to be given that Mm. to be able to deal with that and know how to go through something so traumatic so stressful so hard for so many years like we're talking until like I was like 17 Um, and still dealing with it after I left home, like I really, really struggled. Um, cause I moved, I grew up down South in Dunsborough, which is like four hours out of, um, Perth. So I moved, um, I moved out and I stayed with a friend for a few weeks and then I actually moved up to Perth, which is like the big city. And, um, I went to uni pretty much straight away. And I I guess growing up, I didn't really have time to like process everything that happened. And like a a lot of the times when I experienced the abuse, like I didn't show um, weakness. Like I didn't cry in front of anyone because it's like you don't want to appear weak. You know, it's always about keeping your strong face and just kind of like I almost went into this stage where you just – become numb to everything and you can just take whatever is thrown at you. So um, I think moving out was what was really hard for me was actually being faced with the realisation of everything that had happened and realising that what I went through wasn't actually normal. Mm. Like that becomes your perception of what's normal. Like you just think everyone goes through that shit. And then moving out, it was like almost like a reality check of everything that had happened. Mm. And I think the hardest part for me was I didn't know how to control my emotions because 
I'd, I'd never been able to process them. So all of a sudden, like when I would get triggered and all of the grief that I'd never been able to express as a child would come out, I was left so confused and frustrated because I had no idea how to process it. So I would like sit in my car for hours and just cry and cry and cry. And I didn't know what was making me cry. Like what triggered me? Why was I feeling as if the world was crumbling around me? I, I didn't, I didn't have anyone to, to help me process it. Mm. So when I started my business, um, I wasn't in the greatest relationship. I kind of picked a relationship based on the examples that I had been shown growing up of how a man should treat a woman. So I, do, I wasn't in the greatest relationship. I mean, it, it wasn't as bad as what I'd experienced as a child, but it definitely wasn't. I'm in a different relationship now and it's like apples and pears. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, when I started my business, I was running my partner at the times business. And I think for me, I was at this point where I constantly felt like I needed to prove myself to people. Like I was driven on getting um, uh, gratification of people saying, you know, you did a good job or, you know, you've done really well because like that's all I craved when I was younger. Like I wanted attention from my mom. I wanted love. I wanted people to just give me attention, whatever attention it was. So another, and another part of that was, um, I felt like when I was running my partner's business, even though I was so passionate about it, it felt like it still wasn't mine. I, like I always had this earning, this yearning for wanting to, to own something that was mine, truly mine, because growing up, I felt like I just didn't know who I was because I was just robbed of everything. Like my identity, I wasn't allowed to express who I was. I was told any way that I was, wasn't good enough. So I just felt like I didn't own anything, not even my own identity because I didn't know what it was. So when I started my business, looking back now, I realized it was this unconscious action of saying I'm going to start something that I can truly put my stamp on and say this is mine and no one could ever take that away from me you know yeah that's but it incredible. came but it came from a place that was unhealthy though because it came from this place of me wanting to absolutely kill myself and run myself into the ground at any cost so that someone could one day say Iris you did a great job and you've you know, you prove yourself. And looking back, I'm like, who the fuck am I proving myself to? Like the only person you can prove yourself to is yourself, you know? Yeah. I was constantly wanting other people to give me happiness mm. instead of giving myself that happiness. So, yeah, so to be honest, like initially when I started, yes, there was this whole other side to the business of wanting to create a beauty solution for women with eyeliner and and now quick flick is all of these other tools as well like we've got um we've just launched quick lash which is like a, a beauty solution for applying lashes and we've got a whole range of products so don't get me wrong it was definitely started on wanting to challenge um the way that the cosmetic industry had traditionally created makeup tools but looking back there was definitely this whole other darker side to it Mm -hmm. um where it was a way that I could 
one, express who I was through the business and two, a way for me to, to have some sort of ownership over something because everything else had been taken away from me. Um, I just, yeah, wanna, that's a little I just want to hug you through. <laughs> I the know, me too. And, and the crazy thing is that like you're saying this and so much of your story resonates, I think, yeah, with, I think both, both of us, us um, in terms of just crazy. Rachel and I always say that like, man, we've got, we, I think we don't, we forget how thick our skin is through some of the mm. stuff that we've been through in that like we have to be mindful even how we treat employees and things like that. I like, literally said yeah. to Hannah the yeah. other day, <laughs> I think we've become so desensitised from, you know, what most people struggle with day to day. And I said to mm. Hannah, I sent her a message because, you know, we deal with over 30 women in our business and I said, are we just really thick skinned? Mm. Because sometimes some of the issues I just, I've struggled to relate with and it was just, yeah, it's full on. But I think yeah, like your, your perception, yeah. your perception, perception is, of what's hard is completely different yeah. to the average person. <laughs> exactly. And I think, um, actually, I, I opened my phone just now to look at my notes and I'm listening to this amazing book at the moment called Untamed. Have you heard of it at all? Mm, it's no, um no. and I wrote I wrote it today and it said like f- feeling human is about feeling all feelings and mm-hmm. um like we sometimes just like shut ourselves off and just like bury ourselves into the ground um just to avoid those things but wow like that's that's amazing that you're sharing your journey I guess for me um it's who I am for us has been very much about like not losing yourself in your business as well because Rachel and mm. I both have very um similar journey no very different journeys but we we both have lost ourselves at one stage did you feel that there was like a defining moment there when you actually realized you'd lost yourself completely and quick flick was you know who you were um, personifying yourself with yeah so I really hit rock bottom at the start of last year um I I remember it so clearly like I was driving home and I was pulling into the driveway And this like voice in my head was just like, I just wish that I could go to sleep and never wake up. Mm. And I got to this point where I was like, oh, if only there was like just a restart button on my life. Like I was so convinced that I was so damaged and so broken by everything that had happened to me. Um, I was like, there's no amount of help that I could do that would ever fix how I am. So, and I was really, really unhappy in my relationship at the time. Um, despite everything that I was doing, I like my partner, he, like he would tell me, you know, it would be nice if you could sometimes give me a little bit of um, thanks for like all the ways that I helped you. And like, you would never be where you were if you hadn't gotten no. all that experience from running my company and stuff. So again, I was back in that cycle of you feeling feel like, like you were, were taken away. Yeah. yeah, feeling like people were still dimming my light, as I say. Like I wasn't able to fully shine. Um, and like his family was super controlling and I was just at this point where I was wearing so many different masks to please everybody else other than myself. And I wondered why I was so unhappy. And it was because of that. Like I was just, um, sacrificing my own happiness to keep everyone else happy. Um, 
And it was funny because like at that point, like my business was really successful. Like I was working crazy, stupid hours, but it was still doing really, really well. So on paper, like I know everyone from the outside looking in would have been like, oh, lucky Iris, like her business is doing so great. She's got a, she's in a relationship, like they have a nice house. Like we had a dog, we went on holiday a few times a year. We had heaps of money in the bank. Like, you know, everything that we grow up aspiring to have, like I had it all. And I was only like 23 at the time. Um, but yeah, I was so miserable. Like I was at the point where I, I just wanted to literally take my own life. Like I was, I was like, what's the point? What's the point of living? Like that was my attitude to life was like, life is just too hard. It would just be easier if I died. And none of that, you know, none of those material things can buy your happiness. And I think that's what Hannah and I have often, you know, spoken about that people can look in and kind of envy that lifestyle. And like you said, you had it all going for you. And we've even had girlfriends say to Hannah and I before, like, like, you guys have got this and you've got that, but at the end of the day, you know, your personal life and what's going on in your, you know, your mental health and your heart is so much more important and valuable to, mm-hmm. you know, prioritise. So how did you, you know, obviously it's a consist, constant journey, um, mental health, and Hannah and I are constantly discussing it. What are some things that have kind of gotten you out of that pit of, you know, I wish I could just turn the light switch off? Mm. Um. So I, I did get help. I got professional help. Um, I'd been wanting to do it for years. However, it was, um, oh, to be honest, I hadn't wanting, been wanting to do it. I'd had people telling me to do it for years. So like whenever I would have like a, a, an, outbreak, an outbreak where I would just completely lose my shit over something and like all this anger would come out and I'd be crying or Mm. like the littlest littlest thing would trigger me like my partner would be like oh my god I don't know how to handle you can you like just stop crying please like just stop he's he'd tell me like you need to go and get help like I can't handle your shit so it was it wasn't coming from like a loving supporting you know why didn't you go and speak to someone? It was coming from a, you're crazy, you're psychopathic, (laughs) go speak to someone. So go get help. And because of the place it was coming from, it actually made me want to not get help because I was like, I associated getting help with, okay, if you get help, you're crazy, you're a psychopath. (laughs) You're admitting that they're right, that you're crazy. So I put it off. Like I didn't go and I just dealt with it as it came. But then, um, around that time, like I was wanting to leave that relationship. And, um, I went to a, um, a medium. Is that what they call them? Like a medium, someone who looks into your future and all that. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> um, and I thought it was all a load of bullshit. Like I went as a joke to prove to my friend that this was all bullshit. <laughs> Anyway, who know who knows, you know, believe whatever woo-woo shit you want to believe. Yeah. But um <laughs> the moment I sat down and nobody at this time I hadn't shared this openly with anybody. So very few people knew about what I'd gone through growing up. The first thing she said when I sat down was um something something traumatic has happened to you in your childhood and it's affecting it's running your life now. It's affecting the way you're living your life. And one of the points that she said to me was, you need to go and get help, but not just any um, type of help. You need to go and see a hypnotherapist. Mm. 
like okay interesting like I you know thought that that wouldn't have been the type of you know route I would take so I left a bit confused because I thought it was all a load of shit (laughs) how did she know that um and then and she knew all this other stuff about me like I gave even gave her a fake name so it's not Ah! like she could have (laughs) that is so something I would do (laughs) yeah like I gave her a fake name and she knew everything about my business. Like it was <gasps> anyway. And, um, it stuck in my mind to go and see a hypnotherapist, obviously, like it was planted in my mind as a yes. seed. So then yep. this random time when I was having a PT session, I randomly said to my trainer, Oh, do you happen to know any hypnotherapists? And he was like, Oh yeah, actually I, I know a really good one. Her name's Holly. Um, you should go and speak to her, gave me the details. Anyway, so short, long story short, I ended up contacting her and saw her for probably about a full year, to be honest, a full, a full year. Once a week, I went and saw her and yeah, we did a whole bunch of different work. We did um, hypnotherapy. We did a lot of like energy release work, which was just me getting out all of the stuck emotions in my system that I was never able to express. Um, And we did a lot of um, mindset work. So getting my mind to a point where I was able to like forgive what had happened and view my experiences in a slightly different way and putting it into a positive light rather than always being the victim and always looking for the negative. And, um, we also did, um, a lot of work around, like, I guess you could call it like the law of attraction. Like, you know, what are you, what are you subconsciously um, attracting in your life? How are you creating your reality? Because we are all the creators of our reality, right? Mm. Either you realize it or you don't, you need to choose. Are you in the passenger seat and letting life take you wherever it takes you? Or are you in the driver's seat and controlling it? So yeah, we did a whole bunch of work. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what has helped me is going to get professional help and speaking about it and working through my, um, working through my emotions and allowing me to feel every single emotion because no emotion is better or worse than the other, right? Yeah, 100%. And sometimes we have a judgment upon ourselves for feeling emotions as well. Like I know I do. If I'm feeling really sad or stressed, I then like am sad that I'm sad. And so it's like a state on state, which is interesting, but that's like, that's phenomenal. Someone actually said to me once, do you know that in your lifetime you'll never see your face? And I was like, what? Yeah, it's true. You only ever see a reflection. Yeah. And it's, and it's one of those things that like, sometimes we need someone else in our life to show us what we can't see. Mm -hmm. And I guess, was that like, was there a defining moment in, in that whole experience for you that sort of like made the penny drop or was it like a slow burn of 12 months for you? Cause yeah, this podcast is all about those defining moments. Yeah, I mean, there, it was definitely like, I wouldn't say it was a race. It was definitely a marathon. It's not like there's like one session where I was like, oh, I'm all better and it's all yeah. fine now. Like it's yeah. definitely a work in progress. Like, you know, I was working through 18 years of shit in a year. Like it's pretty good yeah. <laughs> in comparison. Um, but like there was probably one moment where we did a... Um, 
like an energy release session, I guess you could call it. This is real like alternative woo-woo stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but it makes complete sense to me. But other people listening might be like, what is she on about? <laughs> um, but yeah, we did like a, like Holly calls it kind of like a ceremony, I suppose. So it's like energy release and really like honoring yourself in that space and, and whatnot. And um, I think for me, one of the defining things that happened was feeling enough was probably that real turning point so like from what I've learned and and all the research that I've done like we're programmed through our our upbringings to never feel like we're good enough like we're constantly told there's something wrong with you you need to constantly be working towards something you're not allowed to feel sad and emotional and stressed you should always be it's not even just in our childhood it's running raw today it's just you know social media we're programmed the media it says no one is ever enough and you're constantly looking for the next person to try and see what they've got and what you don't have yeah um so I think for me in that defining moment was like like even just saying you are enough is implying that you were never good enough in the first place. So I don't even like that quote anymore. Yeah, oh my goodness, that's so true. Yeah, I used to have it on my phone, like a quote um, saying like you are enough. And after that moment, I was like, well, if I have to say that, it's implying that I was never good enough in the first place. So I, I took it off my phone that day. But yeah, it was really that sense of, okay, I'm, I'm actually doing this for me. I'm not doing this to prove myself to anyone else. And I'm totally enough with how I am. I, I was born enough. Like it's just people. Yeah. Who can tell. That is and so nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. It's just people telling us. And at some point we've chosen to believe what they're telling us. And it's like, well, screw you and what you think about me. Yeah. I'm going to create my own. And like um, you said, you're the driver. And how amazing that you've, you've gone through this and you've realized before your life was over as well. Like some people wait till they're 50, 60, till their children are out of their house, you know, Mm. to realize these things. And that's just like phenomenal. So what a gift. Everyone listening, Iris is um, 25. Yeah. Yeah. So to even accomplish that in that short amount of time is like emotional intelligence on a whole other level. (laughs) I guess, um, Fast forward to today, um, mm. where are you at in terms of, you know, Iris and then Quick Flick and you've also um, recently started something else. But also I'm really interested to know, like, what motivates you now? Obviously prior it was that, you know, trying to prove yourself to everyone and yourself. Like what is mm. it that motivates you now? No, that's a good question. Um, I think now um, there's probably two things that motivate me. One would be like my team. So I actually went through a massive um, destroy and recreate phase where I <laughs> fired my entire team and then rehired all new ones. Wow. You boss. <laughs> go, go. Yeah, so I had created a team from a completely different space and when I started doing the work on me, it was no longer aligned and the people that I had chosen were from that older side of me. Wow. So it was just completely like the jigsaw puzzle didn't fit anymore. So. Um, yeah, I went through a phase end of last year where literally over the point of two weeks and it was a week from, um, Black Friday. So it was like a manic time (laughs) of all times, um, that, yeah, I got rid of everyone. Oh, well, actually I got rid of some people and some people left, but I'm just going to say I got rid of them because they didn't, they didn't suit the new Iris. (laughs) No. 
um, and it didn't really suit like my vision, like my mm -hmm. vision had changed as well. Like what I started the quick flick wanting to do, I'd obviously shifted and it just wasn't in alignment for either of us. And so what so, was that when you started quick flick, what was your initial, you know, idea behind it all? And then what is it today? Um, well, I think it was, to be honest, it's hard to put into words because it's more of like an energetic thing. Mm. Like I feel like the energy changed in the office. Like I could really feel it. Like actually one of my staff members, she's left now, but she, she stayed throughout the rebuild phase. She was like the only good one. Um, <laughs> she even said like, it was actually when I came back from this trip to Bali where I did this, another like energetic work session thing. And she said, like, your whole energy just completely changed. Like, I came back wanting to change all of our ads, all of our emails, like, the way we spoke to customers. Like, it was completely different. Um, it, was, it was more like, yeah, for the customers, let's make these amazing products that everyone loves rather than let's just go out and make a shit ton of money. Like, yeah. it, was, yeah. it was an energetic thing that changed, you know? Um, so, yeah, so... I got rid of all of them and then pretty much the last, um, yeah, it would be almost, it's going on 12 months now. I think it's like 10 months now. The last 10 months has, has really been focused on rebuilding that team um, and finding the right people, finding people who understand the vision now, are on board, um, are, are just as passionate um, as I am. So to be honest, yeah, it's really been a, a, a recreation phase for me and um rebuilding from this different place where I'm at now I love it and just kind of to go back onto the motivation <laughs> I guess day to day oh yeah sorry um what what motivated what motivates you now I guess because that's yeah, so exciting so, to rebuild but yeah wow yeah so yeah so in terms of building the team now obviously because I have the right people like I'm actually motivated True. by these people, by the team. Like I feel like we almost motivate each other and like we celebrate the wins together. We, we're excited when we're launching into new markets. Like it's, it's fun and playful now, whereas before it was just like stress and headache. So yeah. it's almost like the energy that motivates me because it feels good, you know. Um, and then I would say also like just feedback from our customers. Like it's, you guys would know, it's so nice yeah. when you, realize that you add a little bit of a bit of sparkle to someone's day and have them feeling good about themselves or feeling confident because for the first time ever they can actually apply winged eyeliner or they can actually apply false lashes like little moments like that throughout people's day is is it's small but it you know it can be so frustrating getting your eyeliner wrong in the morning it can almost yeah. like ruin your day <laughs> Rachel has, I wear Rachel liquid has... eyeliner every single day which is so funny because for our listeners um Iris and I actually connect on Instagram what would have been like maybe like two years ago because everyone yeah. was tagging me in Iris's photos saying that I was her twin we have a mole <laughs> on our face in the exact same spot and I wear winged eyeliner every day and obviously Iris does too. So, so I can sympathise with the pain of, you know, yeah. getting my wing right. Well, look, I've tried to apply my eyelashes once and maybe I need your product because I literally <laughs> yeah. had like glue all over my eye. It was so bad. That was actually in Florence. We were shooting our yeah, Florence campaign and we didn't have a makeup artist and Hannah's here sitting in our Airbnb and she's trying to add on these like false eyelashes I just looked at her and she'd any kind of form of um eyeshadow had disappeared into this like dried glob of glue on her face it was so funny 
so keen. I have to try it. Yeah. No, it does. It solves it. I promise. I love that though, the motivation, which is, it's one of those things that I think once you get that momentum and you have, you know, other people picking up the energy when you're lacking of energy and things like that, Mm. that sounds like such an amazing team. And it's customers Mm. as well. Like I know that Hannah and I have gone through stages where we've been like, ah, it's so stressful. And then you'll just get that one DM from a customer who's like, I received my package today. I absolutely love it. You know, and it just... Mm turns your whole day around. So I think staying customer and team focused is like such a key to bring that joy every day. 100%. Yeah, agreed. (laughs) That's so good. So Iris, you did appear on Shark Tank. So I saw a post on your Instagram not so long after, you know, talking about your mental health after that period. Was that a big defining moment for you? Mm. Yeah, so... Yeah, Shark Tank for me, again, it's one of those like looking in and it looks all amazing. Mm. Um, For me afterwards, I, yeah, I did really, really struggle with my mental health. It was a really stressful time. And I think also because we went through such a massive growth period then and I didn't have the right team with me to help me with that growth, a lot of that work ended up back on me. So it was like, I... I, I honestly, I look back and I'm like, how the hell did I survive? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like even I now when I do, yeah, yeah. Even now when I do late nights, I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting too old for this. Whereas <laughs> like back then I was like up packing orders till like, you know, two, three in the morning. And then I would get like four hours of sleep and then I'd be back. I'm just like, how the hell did I do that? Um, but yeah, it was, oh, it was a very, very stressful time. Um, just with everything that went on and it's not all beautiful like it's portrayed on television. Um, Yeah, yeah, to be honest, I, yeah. Did it give you any encouragement that you could pursue it by yourself and actually, you know, succeed? Yeah, I think like for me it was definitely like a powerful moment when I turned the deal down. Like obviously I took it on the show and then afterwards there was a very long due diligence process that happened which resulted in me not going ahead with the deal. Um, despite everyone telling me to take the deal, like everyone was like, as if you wouldn't take it, why wouldn't you, why would you turn it down? Like, you know, the person who I was taking the deal with was quite an experienced business person, but <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't take it. Like, um, I, I think for me, it was really that test of how confident am I actually in my abilities? Mm-hmm. And when I turned it down, it was like me telling myself like, you have got this, you know? Um, so yeah, but yeah, looking back, I, I, it was, it was an insane few months that, um, I, I honestly think I only survived it because of what happened to me growing up. Like the average person who wouldn't have gone through the trauma that I went through would have cracked. (laughs) I'm telling you now, like, so I'm like, grateful almost in a weird way that I went through that because it gave me an amazing way to survive. (laughs) It's that tunnel vision and that like perseverance and just grit that just, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not easy to say no to something when every single person in your life is being like, do it. Why wouldn't you? And then you start that inner doubt, but I think you just got to go with your gut. And at the end Mm. of the day, like you say, you know, you're the one in control and this is for you. So you just got to do what is best for you. 100%, yeah. 
So something that we always ask the guests that come on our show is what would you tell, you know, 16-year-old Iris? We have a lot of young girls listening in who often see the glitz and glam of, you know, owning a business or they might be in their stage of life where they're kind of, what do I want to be when I grow up? You know, what would you tell your younger self? Now knowing that you had such a, you know, you were in such a traumatic time of your life back then. Yeah, well, I think what I would tell myself is probably different to what I would tell other 16-year-olds because not everyone was experienced what I was experiencing. Um, I think, yeah, if I had to tell my 16-year-old self, it would be that this isn't forever (laughs) because growing up I thought, like, that was just my life and Mm. there was no positive light shining at the end of the tunnel. Um, you're completely going to be okay. And, um, yeah, I, I think just that, 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 that this isn't the end. Cause yeah. even at, at that point, that was my only reality. Like I didn't see other versions of reality ever possible for me. Um, and probably, I don't know if it's something you would tell a 16 year old, but I think I would probably definitely tell myself to question question everything. Is it really true for you? Is it truly what you believe? Like uh, growing up, a lot of the things that I believed were just opinions and beliefs that other people had put in my head. So like me believing that I wasn't good enough, my dad left for a reason. It's all just stories we tell ourselves, right? Like what really is the truth? The truth is whatever you want it to be, right? That is such a good point. I was literally having this conversation with someone the other day. Um, We're talking about children's mental health. And I said to them, I remember being at school thinking this was my full reality and this was my life. And, you know, at that age, you don't know what real life is outside of that until you turn 18. And like, I'm the exact same. I moved out of home as soon as I had the chance. And then it was like, my life started that day. And it's just Mm. full on to realize that that is, you know, you do go through these ebbs and flows of life and, you know, there might be a completely different life for you in another 20 years. So it is, it's just. Oh yeah, totally. I love that. that. I guess it's, it's the sun does shine and that I love that you can question every story that you tell yourself every day. And it's also possible to rewrite stories. Mm. 100%. Something that really helped me that Holly gave me was um, called the rescript game. And I still play it with myself now. And it's like every time you catch yourself out telling yourself a story like, oh, I'm an idiot or, oh, you're, you're shit at doing this or, you know, or whatever it is, a belief around something, the way something should be, right? It's like stop yourself straight away and tell yourself what is my new belief system? Do I really think that I am an idiot? No, yeah. I'm not an idiot. I've just never done this before. So how the hell am I supposed to know what I'm doing? I'm yeah. not an idiot. <laughs> so true. And it's a difference yeah. between, um, it's interesting because I did a neuro-linguistic course last year, which is very similar. And Ooh. you can actually shape children's beliefs about themselves just through your language. So me now having a baby, it's funny because there's a difference between you, you saying you are naughty or what you're doing right now is naughty. And it's funny, we don't even realise day to day that we do it all the time to ourselves and other people. So it's like personifying it is saying you are naughty and that person will always think that they're naughty, whereas like you can be a person, have a behaviour that is naughty and you can change it. Like crazy stuff. 
something that was really powerful for me because, um, you know, sometimes the way we speak to ourselves is so horrible and we would never speak to anyone else like this, right? There was like a few techniques that I tried. Um, the first one I tried was like, look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself what you're telling you. But th- for, for me, it, that wasn't as powerful, right, as picturing myself as a five-year-old girl and picture yourself telling that little girl, you're an idiot, you're worthless, you're ugly, you're fat, you're good for nothing, all these things that we tell ourselves because that's what's really living inside us at the end of the day is, is our little childhood self. Yeah. Um, that's experienced all of these emotions and has shaped who we are. Like essentially we're just all different versions of ourselves that have ever happened, right? Mm. So if you want to think that, fine, but picture yourself as a five-year-old girl or a boy and you tell yourself that story that you're telling every single day and I can guarantee it will not sit right with you. I get goosebumps every time. I love it. I know. Yeah, I'm just sitting here and wrapped in you. That's incredible. Thank you so, so much for being so vulnerable and sharing with our audience and us your stories. I know it's going to be resonating with us for a very long time and for so many other people listening. You're incredible and an inspiration. I hope that's the new story that you're telling yourself. But, yeah, thank you so (laughs) much, Iris, for coming on It's Who I Am. Thanks for listening to our podcast, It's Who I Am. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review below. You can also connect with us on Instagram at francesca.com.au and Facebook. Stay tuned for our next series, She Did It Too.